Hello, I'm Louise Bowen, editor of Euromoney magazine. I'm joined today by Jeremy Weltman, economist and member of the judging panel at Euromoney Country Risk. ECR was founded in 1982 and is one of the longest running country risk indices in the world. It is an online community of economic and political experts that provides quarterly scores in categories that relate to economic, structural and political risk. Jeremy, can you tell us a bit more about what the survey seeks to measure, who takes part, and how the results are calculated? Yes, thank you, Louise. Uh, The survey aims to assess changing views on global investor risk. Uh, It is conducted among more than 230 economists and political risk analysts, all of whom are experts in their field working in the public and private sectors and in finance and non-finance specialisms. They're asked to assess 15 key political, economic and structural risk indicators in total. These cover areas such as economic growth, government finances, corruption, institutional risk, currency risk and the quality of infrastructure, among others, as well as capital access. These scores are then weighted according to their relevance. They're then combined with the World Bank's sovereign debt statistics to calculate a total risk score, where a higher score indicates lower risk and vice versa. Euromoney then presents these scores along with the rankings for 174 countries worldwide and splits them all into five categories of risk. And the crowdsourcing approach certainly has major advantages in distilling the various views and avoiding outliers. Thanks. So where are the world's safest and riskiest countries? Well, as you can imagine, the survey shows countries such as Switzerland, Australia, Finland, Norway and Singapore as the lowest risk options worldwide. Uh, and invariably Syria, Zimbabwe, Lebanon, Yemen, and Somalia that are among the riskiest, uh, together with North Korea, of course. But just as important as these relative risks, it is often the changes in risk scores and the longer term trends that are most interesting to potential investors gauging their asset security. Yes, on that, the latest results indicate heightened risk in key emerging markets such as Brazil, India, Mexico, Nigeria, South Africa, and so on which had been improving after the pandemic first hit last year. Are there some general themes common to all these countries? Yes, the pandemic has continued to impact on country risk profiles with what have been ongoing restrictions of one sort or another impinging on economic activity, uh, notably in the services sector, of course, with restaurants and hotels closed or with limited opening hours, gatherings also restricted and and tourism that is either controlled or, or non-existent. While these restrictions are, of course, now being eased as COVID vaccination rates increase, it has entailed more fiscal stimulus than originally intended to protect vulnerable groups, which in turn is worsening the sovereign debt loads. Admittedly, strong growth returning and the winding down of support mechanisms will improve the situation. But in some countries, sovereign debts were already a huge problem. Take South Africa, for example. The debt to GDP ratio has been creeping up over the past decade. But in 2020, it skyrocketed to 83% of GDP from 62% in 2019. Moreover, as the global economy has kicked into gear, the spectre of inflation has returned due to rising energy prices. Oil and uh, notably gas prices, of course, have shot up, benefiting producers in the Gulf and elsewhere. There are also supply chain constraints caused by demand outstripping supply. Uh, with low inventories and staffing levels too due to restrictions and COVID isolations playing a role. Indeed. So is inflation transitory or permanent, Jeremy? 
Well, although central banks have stuck to the line that inflation is a transitory phenomenon resulting from the unusual economic impact of opening up economies almost simultaneously worldwide, there are also some fears now emerging of wage price spirals developing, making it a larger problem that will be with us for longer than originally expected. Uh, demands for higher pay highlight this and have been reflected in a worsening of the structural indicator for labor market industrial relations. Uh, some of the central banks are also starting to raise their interest rates in Iceland, Norway and New Zealand, for example, with others planning to before too long. Indeed, the outlook for emerging markets is being affected by the prospect of the US Federal Reserve tightening monetary policy winding down its extraordinary pandemic support measures and uh, ultimately raising its policy interest rate target, if not before the end of this year, certainly in 2022. But of course, there are also many other factors that are country-specific, which are often uh, but not exclusively related to domestic political developments. Yes, that's the case in China, is it not, where certain country-specific factors have deteriorated. What are they and what are the reasons for this? Yes, you're right. Um, China, of course, is also a crucial link to country risk elsewhere. And the the real estate sector troubles that have emerged recently at property developers Evergrande Group and Fantasia Holdings Group missing their debt payments, as well as at the Hong Kong listed firm Modernland China requesting a a three-month extension on payments due on a bond this month, are certainly pointing a finger at a bigger problem for the authorities to resolve, which has weakened the bank stability indicator in China. On top of that, the political mood is changing in the country with President Xi Jinping eyeing up an unprecedented third term. The term limits were removed in 2018, enabling Xi to remain as president for life. He's also instigated a a regulatory crackdown, of course, that has led to experts downgrading some of the risk indicators, such as institutional risk and uh, policymaking. Initially, this didn't have any uh, major impact on China's risk profile, ostensibly because the economic rebound offset it, and also because it was perceived to be largely confined. You may recall it all began in uh, November 2020, when, as one of the survey contributors has documented for us, the authorities presented new rules for fintech firms and halted a large IPO of Ant Group, the financial company affiliated with the e-commerce giant Alibaba and owner of the online platform Alipay. Beijing broadened the crackdown this year to other fintech firms and online platforms, plus sectors such as online education and entertainment and gaming. One of your many survey contributors reiterated that for reasons of national security and data protection, the government tightened rules on mergers and acquisitions and foreign IPOs. So it's no wonder that China has a low score for information access and transparency in the survey. And China's growth? Presumably this is both country-specific and a global issue, given the importance of the economy. Yes, the various experts have been anticipating China's economy slowing, partly due to the property sector risks, but also because of some flooding, uh, localised outbreaks of COVID-19, and the no-tolerance policy leading to restrictions, plus uh, energy supply issues, which various risk experts have mentioned in recent weeks. Power cuts there have also had a knock-on impact for the manufacturing supply chain. Indeed, it would appear to be the worst power crisis since the 1980s, and it is uh, particularly prevalent in the Northeast Industrial Hub, hitting the aluminium, cement, fertilizer, and steel production uh, there. The latest GDP figures indicate that uh, although China is on course to achieve or even exceed the 6% annual growth target, 
GDP rose by just 4.9% year-on-year in the third quarter, slowing for a second consecutive quarter. The power crisis, meanwhile, is also pointing to wider environmental issues and how climate change targets will have an impact on energy supplies and prices. Uh, Euro Money Country Risk has been looking into climate risk more specifically this year, and um, we're, we're planning to, to do so again. And of course, what happens in China affects other countries in the region too. Yes, that's right. The, there are downgraded risk scores for Hong Kong, for instance, given that the mainland and Hong Kong economies and financial markets are so interdependent, uh, not to mention many of the emerging markets in Asia, including Malaysia, uh, Myanmar, South Korea, Thailand, Vietnam and, and Taiwan. Uh, Myanmar and Taiwan are also examples of country-specific factors dominating their risk profiles. Uh, the military coup in Myanmar, and there's uh, an ongoing civil disobedience movement there linked to it, uh, and fighting between the military and rebel forces, which are weighing on its investor prospects. Uh, the economy's in turmoil and the currency in freefall as a result. Uh, the Kiat has fallen by around 50 to 60% so far this year, and analysts are anticipating more depreciation. It's interesting that investors piled into Myanmar on the back of the political and economic reforms, but the country was still considered a very high risk well before the coup took place, uh, which, of course, was highlighting the suboptimal political arrangement, which led to the military reserving powers, plus the general insecurity in parts linked to the country's ethnic and religious divide. And in Taiwan? Yes, in Taiwan, there is, of course, the rise in cross-strait tensions with China, which is threatening the island militarily. Uh, but there's also a four-part delayed referendum coming up in December, giving Taiwanese voters a chance to decide on several important issues. They include whether Taiwan should pursue nuclear power, uh, site a liquefied natural gas plant close to an algal reef, uh, whether to have referenda at the same time as elections, and uh, the thorny issue of importing U.S. pork, which contains ractopamine, which is uh, added to keep meat lean, but is in fact banned in most other countries. This is seen as a crucial precursor to a bilateral trade deal with the US. If the voters go against the government's views on these questions, of course, it will certainly deal a heavy blow to President Tsai Ing-wen. It also highlights, of course, how complicated political risk can be, given that the consensus there is against China's more belligerent approach and in favour of a strong Taiwanese nationalist identity, which President Tsai is also propagating and uh, would otherwise reinforce her authority. And what about other key emerging markets like Brazil and Nigeria, for instance? What are the specific risk factors there? Well, in Brazil, as well as high unemployment, there is soaring inflation, which is now in double digits due to the central bank's discretionary monetary powers and, and little credibility given its poor history of inflation control, which one expert mentioned specifically and gave his ideas on how to resolve it. Um, political risk is also a key feature for Brazil, with the unorthodox Trump-esque President Jair Bolsonaro threatening to dismiss the results should he be defeated at the elections next year. Uh, the elections themselves are narrowing the scope for reforms to pass in time and uh, are likely to see tensions rise with Bolsonaro on course to lose. There has already been institutional risk created by court battles with Bolsonaro involved in a dispute with the Supreme Court that he later backed down from, uh, accusing judges of trying to block his ability to govern. This led to street protests by both pro and anti-Bolsonaro supporters. At the same time, his government is, is facing an inquiry at the moment into his handling of the pandemic. Indeed. And in Nigeria? 
Yeah, Nigeria recently raised $4 billion from a Eurobond that was heavily oversubscribed, but it's not without its risks, despite a comparatively low level of debt and uh, improved oil prices, of course. Its troubles include civil conflict and insecurity, which are highlighting the very nature of its complex regional, ethnic and sectional divide that is often not so well understood by outsiders, which some analysts have suggested from time to time could see the country even split apart. It shows up in various ways, uh, including herdsman violence over land and oil pipeline thefts. There's uh, a lot of banditry and, and terrorism with Boko Haram active in the north which incidentally is also a problem for neighboring Cameroon, which has had its own communal violence that risks becoming a, a wider regional problem as well. There's uh, high unemployment in Nigeria, which strains public resources and can be a touch paper for instability, uh, plus rising indebtedness despite the recent improvement to oil prices that are now above uh, $80 per barrel on the global markets. Also, uh, without a market-based exchange rate regime, Hard currency will continue to be scarce and expensive, uh, with arbitrages doing a brisk business on the huge spread between the official and parallel market exchange rates. So you can see how the willingness to take on Nigerian assets is not without some considerable risks. Yes, I can. Um, Sizable eurobond issuance is anticipated from several African countries. What are the risk hotspots that investors must be aware of when considering these deals? Well, the risks have uh, certainly increased in quite a few countries, not least because of the pandemic, worsening debt burdens. Um, the economies are slowly improving, of course, with the global recovery in full swing. Uh, but the region has some pockets of instability. And with other weaknesses, there are several countries downgraded in, in the latest Q3 survey. They include Botswana, Kenya and Namibia, to name just a few. Uh, all highlighting once again that despite what will be invariably strong demand for African debt issues, they are not without their risks. These can be quite per pervasive and suddenly escalate as the lessons of the Zambian debt crisis only serve to underline. In Kenya, um, one of the survey contributors mentioned that public debt is moving above 70% of GDP, which is increasingly expensive to service. And there are slower tax collections, too, owing to the fact the economy is still in the early phases of a recovery, with a recent court-imposed limit on taxation. In Ethiopia, there is the conflict in the Tigray region, which has spread to Amhara and Afar and has led to U.S. sanctions. That's all weighing on commerce. And, of course, the security and sanctions are off-putting, to say the least, to investors seeking a safe operating environment, despite the, uh, the government pressing on with its reforms. Ethiopia is also struggling with very high inflation. Uh, it's above 20%. Uh, it has constrained external financing and unresolved debts, which are all heightening uh, currency risk. Uh, in North Africa, in Tunisia, meanwhile, where the uh, political crisis has developed, uh, one of the experts mentioned the key issue is not the president taking control to remove the government and thus whether it was consistent with the constitution, as there is also a consensus for amending the charter there. The main issue is that this exceptional situation has been going on for more than two months and it's not clear how long it is going to last. Uh, with the president assuming power over the executive and legislative roles, there's no clarity as to how much authority he will delegate to the newly appointed prime minister and cabinet. There's also a lack of transparency in the president's communications over his political and economic plans. Uh, the information access transparency is, is one of the risk indicators that analysts are, are asked to score each time. 
and invariably for Tunis, it has been downgraded this time. Yes. Um, Latin America too appears to be getting riskier. Is that just the pandemic or is there something else going on? Well, we've known about the problems in Argentina and Venezuela for some time. Uh, and Brazil, of course, I've already mentioned. Um, as for Chile, it obviously a major copper producer. Uh, it has always been a very low risk option in the region on a par with advanced industrialized nations. Uh, it still is a low risk by Latin American standards, but it has slipped 10 places in the global rankings over the past five years, including two places this year alone. Um, both inflation and populism are creating some concern for investors there. There's a general election with the presidency up for renewal in November amid an ongoing constitutional reform process. Uh, Chile's problems have been building for years, in fact, um, culminating in ugly rioting spilling over from mass demonstrations that began in 2019, ostensibly sparked by rises in metro fares and festering animosity towards corrupt officials, privatization and inequality. There's been a crackdown on the Mapuche indigenous group and, and now impeachment proceedings against President Piñera over irregularities in the sale of a mining firm that emerged in the leaked Pandora papers, which, which could have a bearing on the elections. The country is also deeply divided over how to resolve its problems, uh, with a national referendum to amend the constitution approved and a constitutional convention elected to begin the revision process, but no guarantee of finding the, the solutions. As for Colombia, Peru and Bolivia, they're also downgraded, but there are some countries that are improving, including Ecuador, Honduras, Paraguay and Uruguay. In fact, Uruguay's phenomenal rise through the, the global risk rankings is, is worth mentioning. It has climbed 22 places in the past five years to 28th and is now sandwiched between Slovakia and Poland. The president has become quite popular for his handling of the C-19 crisis with a rapid vaccination progress supporting the uh, economic recovery. Turning to safer investments, it seems many countries in Central and Eastern Europe have improving risk scores. This is a longer term trend too. And what's going on there? Well, to a, to a certain extent, the uh, CE countries have managed the pandemic very well in comparison with Western Europe. Uh, a political calm has generally prevailed there, and they've been investing massively in infrastructure supported by EU subsidies and, and strong financing conditions. This has seen the uh, CE region become a magnet for investment, underpinning strong growth while lending support to the currencies. The survey shows that not only has the region performed better than others so far this year, but it has also done well on a five and 10 year trend basis, narrowing the gap to Western Europe in terms of relative risk scores and outperforming the large emerging markets, the so-called BRICS and MINTS, which are down over the same periods. Analysts also pointed out the revival in tourism, which is boosting government revenue, uh, and that the EU aspirants have formed the Open Balkan Initiative, a mini-union acting as a precursor to eventual EU membership, which is enabling the freer movement of labour, goods and services between them. The outlook for economic growth remains strong too, as it had been before the pandemic, outpacing the EU average, while the prospect of EU membership and natural gas production in the eastern Mediterranean will continue to make these countries attractive in future, according to the analysts. So finally, is there any other standout in this latest survey for investors to note? Yes, uh, interestingly and quite remarkably, Israel has achieved top 10 status among the least risky countries in the world for the first time. Um, this is quite a feat, obviously, which uh, can be explained by the government being formed, uh, ending the political uncertainty, 
uh, and uh, an effective pandemic response protecting the economy and healthcare system, uh, and not to mention achieving better relations with some of the Arab states. It highlights, if anything, of course, the importance of the multi-factor approach to country risk that uh, is encapsulated in Euromoney's crowdsourcing survey. Well, thank you very much, Jeremy, for these insightful comments. They provide a fascinating insight into the dynamics of country risk, which I'm sure our listeners will have found as interesting as I have. Where can they learn more about the survey and subscribe to the results and analysis? Yes, if they go to uh, euromoney.com website uh, and look for country risk, or just simply type in euromoney country risk, uh, they'll be able to find everything they need. Thanks. Thanks.